0: You're listening to an Encore presentation of Faith and Family. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. I'm Dandy Beats. Joining us for this segment, Linda Bartlett. She's former president of Lutherans for Life, an author and founder of Titus 2 for Life, a wife, mom, and grandmother as well. Linda, welcome to Faith and Family.
1: Thank you
0: Andy, thank you. It's great to to finally get a chance to talk with you and uh, excited today to uh, to celebrate mom's and to talk about the vocation of mother. Let's let's talk about your background from well, you're a wife, a mom, a grandmother. You've served as president of Lutherans for Life. You've written and published quite a bit, actually, and one significant book. We'll talk about that a little bit near the end of our program as well today. And also founder of Titus 2 for Life. You must stay pretty busy.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of opportunities, Andy. This is a wide world as KFU knows, um, <laughs> of opportunities. I think, you know, you you asked earlier what I where I learned the most about motherhood. I had never really understood it to be a vocation. <laughs> so as a Christian woman, I'd have to say I learned it backwards. I think, in other words, I experienced it first. I think it was my husband and my sons that taught me about the vocation of, of motherhood. I think I've always known what God's Word says about male and female and fathers and mothers and the order of creation, but it didn't mean as much to me until my husband and my sons helped me see the reality of it and the sense of it, and I could, could also see then later in my own marriage and motherhood how my mom and my grandmothers had been mentoring me just by remaining faithful to God's vocation of motherhood instead of bending to the powerful voices of radical feminism, which goes back even as far as post-World War II. So I think I learned it on the job, Mm -hmm. and that strengthened my understanding of what God had been telling me all along.
0: I suppose if we were to liken it, if we were to compare it to, for example, the, the, the vocation of pastor, the, the seminary makes a seminarian, but the parish makes a pastor. You can study, you can learn, um, you can have a world view that includes a, a, a perspective on what that might mean, what it might be, but uh, until you have that calling, until you're given that vocation, um, you don't fully understand what that vocation is. You, until you, you stay in those shoes.
1: You put your finger right on it, I think, Andy, and maybe that is why it is such a, such a challenge today for a young woman. She's told to go out and be all of these things, whatever she wants to be, you know, get the education, have the career. Um, in the meantime, she's she's told that one day she'll get to be a wife and a mother, but those are not vocations to her. Those are not things that she's setting out to do. So while she's learning all these other things and she's taken up with this progressive, uh, idealistic culture that's becoming much less Christian and much more, shall we say, secular humanist, she's in conflict with who God has really made her to be as a woman. So if she has no friends, no support, no encouragement to ponder what it means to be a wife and a mother and to indeed keep her eyes open for someone that's going to be a good father to her children, Mm -hmm. she isn't going to learn until maybe years later that she maybe missed the most grand opportunities um, to consider what it means to make a home, what it means to be that wife that is supportive and encouraging and indeed a co-steward of of the world of life.
0: Do you think we have devalued this vocation of of mother this vocation of wife and mother um in in well at least in north america alone do you think we've devalued it um that uh, that we put emphasis on other vocations instead
1: i do and i think um it has happened subtly it has happened in many cases intentionally um Satan does not want the woman to be the mother of life, which is what Eve means. He does not want that family. He does not want the unity of a home. He does not want generations, anniversaries, and birthdays. He does not want those things. So he is always at work. The enemy of life is always at work, leading the woman to look elsewhere the world, of course, is never really our friend. We, we think it is, but it is not, and I think the world really works against women. There's no end to what a woman can do. I think women are multi-talented. They, they are gifted in so many ways, but it seems there's less encouragement for her to put those gifts and abilities to work for her own home for her children for posterity it's it's usually do what you want to do and do what makes you feel good about yourself i have a young friend who is not feeling so good about herself right now because she is longing for a husband and a home but she's no one's wife and she's no one's home maker. she is instead doing battle out there in the world and um Relying on our emotions instead of what she knows God has told her is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, Andy, that we're being led outside um, the home to find an identity in career and in maybe uh, what we can make financially, even to compete with men. And then there's a void. Who fills that void? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think that the the vocation of fathers has a father has been devalued as well um, in, in a similar way that, uh, you know, a, a father or a man who who, uh, you know, cuddles and snuggles with with kids and, and plays games with them or sits down and colors with them. Uh, historically, hasn't always been viewed as, um, you know, the, the strong and manly type that, And, and, and in a sense has been devalued. I think that's changing. I think that, that perception, I think, uh, we're starting to value fathers that, that spend time with children and interact with children and that are loving husbands as well. I think that's becoming more valuable in our, valued more in our culture today. But when I think about moms, um, and, and the vocation of mother, I think it's been a while since I, I had this, this realization, but, if you think about it, who influences society and culture the most, uh, especially the, the the next generation of leaders and uh, those who who really shape society, are moms. Moms have the most influence over children and their worldview, their education, um, the things that that children aspire to is quite often shaped by moms yet we've devalued this, this vocation of, of mother, uh, but they're the ones who really, I think, in my opinion, have the most influence on society and culture.
1: I think it was Martin Luther who said that the female sex is merciful by nature. It's born to show mercy and to cherish, just as a man is born to protect. And so that woman, in respect to her infant, is showing great mercy, but she is also, as you say, influencing encouraging, building up, and actually introducing that child to their true identity while the man is standing at the door of his home, protecting and guarding against the enemy of life, which is uh, something we don't think about too much anymore. We, we're not in, in a period of war where there's an enemy literally standing at the door, but I think a man is called to do that, the enemy being the world itself, sin, and satan so he is standing at the door protecting she's in that home nurturing welcoming welcoming her children as well as a neighborhood of children then he also enters into that and he finds his place of as you say you painted a beautiful picture of him playing with his children um interacting with them and he is teaching them as well both are needed and i love i love what a woman doctor said back in the late 1800s, she said the male and the female are not in competition. They're the two eyes of the human race, and both are needed for proper perspective. Hmm.
0: How did did the women in your life influence your understanding of, of wife and mother?
1: I think first of all, Andy, they influenced me to be faithful. I I guess maybe that's what I saw the most in my grandmothers Mm -hmm. and my mom. I know their lives were not easy. I know they were sacrificing. I know they didn't get to have a lot of the things they wanted to have, and yet they were living well. Um, I think what they taught me is that they had to be selfless, and they had to be self-controlled. And that meant thinking of others first, and probably that's what made them the happiest. They were, my grandmothers and my mom were all talented women. They could have done so many different things. They could have done them all outside the home. But I think in faithfulness and response to God, they they applied what gifts they had to be used within the home for their husbands and for their children and for their neighbors. Um, What they did within the church, within the congregation, uh, the community, this taught me that, no, we're not confined to four walls of the house. We take out our gifts and our abilities, but ultimately they're used um, with regard to the benefits of home and family and neighborhood. Mm -hmm.
0: How does that compare to today's, uh, to to many uh, worldviews and and today's many perspectives on uh, women, mothers, wives, in, in this vocation of mother,
1: I see two things, Andy. I see that women sometimes are forced to go away from where they might really most like to be. They mo- maybe want to be wife and mom, to have that home, to be in the home and interacting, and and not called away to go outside to have that job that they need to have for financial reasons. I see also that some have been groomed and and told, you must go out there and be um, that president of a company to hold that position uh, to apply your four, five, six, seven, eight years of schooling of, of college and university education, and then put on hold the home and the family. Um, I see two things happening, and in either place, she's in conflict with Mm -hmm. herself, with her body, with her womanhood, with who God has made her to be. I think we're often told that everything that's naturally womanly has to be minimized, managed, or distorted into what it's not. And then what Mm -hmm. happens to the woman?
0: (laughs) Minimized, managed, or distorted. (laughs) That's uh, a... we do that with just about any vocation. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: and so it is living in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: How can we can we make a shift, a move? Do you think we're we're moving more toward um, an appreciation and and, and valuing of a, 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 a well, or at least a proper understanding of the vocation of mother?
1: I think. I think we can, or you know what else we could do, Andy, is just start fresh. Maybe as far as we've come in this chaotic, upside-down world, maybe it's hard to return to um, what we once knew or are told about. Maybe we start fresh. Maybe it is a younger generation that asks the questions of, hey, wait a minute, we see this isn't working. We see mom is out there out in industry or out in some career outside the home but we see that she really wants to be home and what can we do to help her do that we see dads that are being separated from their families what can we do to help reunite fathers mm-hmm. to their their homes and families their wives i think there's always hope with the next generation and maybe if we ask the questions if we promote the dialogue um maybe it is the younger generation that will say hey we've got a great idea god had a plan mm-hmm. let's consider it what does that mean for us i think there's always hope i see generations of hope i'm i'm the opposite of of satan's doom and gloom and death and the liars had our attention long enough it's time to hear truth
0: what about the, the woman, the young woman, or, or even uh, you know, middle-aged and older who, who wants to work outside the home, who wants to pursue a career, who uh, wants to study engineering, who wants to uh, you know, work uh, and, and study and be uh, the best uh, in, in that field?
1: She may indeed have a call to that. Those mm-hmm. may be her gifts. She may have to ask then what what are my priorities, and to what end where can I be of the most uh, well let's go back to who we are called to be we are women are helpers mm-hmm. that is a vocation. How will we best help? Will we help to build up or to tear down will we help to make my personal world better or?" the world for our family and our neighbors. Um, how will we most help, best help, and to what end? Mm-hmm. That is, I think, the question that the woman who is called to be the helper should ask. It is not to deny her uniquely um, um, given gifts and talents, her, her wisdom, her knowledge, um, but how will she put it to use and to honor whom? Mm
0: hmm. And I think that's a, a pretty good question or serious questions to ask uh, ourselves, whether male or female. Uh, th- you know, how will what I'm given to do, how will my vocation, my work um, not it, it, will it support my family or uh, provide for my family? But how what how will it affect uh, my neighbor as well?
1: exactly and i know I, I remember reading the story of a very uh, very successful woman attorney who actually when she became pregnant and she had twins she decided to put her career on hold to have those girls and while in the hospital she looked at the nurse and said i know how to be an attorney i know how to engage the world i don't know how to be a mom and the nurse told her you will learn it will come to you and she said it was the best thing i ever did being an attorney waited for her she could go back to it but being a mom was an opportunity that she wouldn't have again and she had that opportunity to raise daughters with the support and encouragement of her husband their father to raise them to be young women who understood their identity and their call, their womanhood,
0: and how that, how that that identity, how that vocation or the vocations to which they're given serves their neighbor. So much of what we're concerned with. Uh, in in our culture here uh, you know in the us is is about me how is this going to serve me? Am I going to make a lot of money i know as as children especially in you know in my generation we we were told from very early on that we need to uh, you need to get a good education uh, not just high school diploma but you need to get a college degree at least a bachelor 's degree and then even later on being told you need to have a master 's degree in order to have a really good job so that you can uh have a really good income and and do well for yourself
1: and then Andy, think of what's happening during that. Let's go clear back to let's say elementary school and we've got we've got abstinence education going on or basically sex education, and they're told, oh, marriage is going to be wonderful, that whole relationship of marriage, the sexual relationship wonderful, but put it on hold, wait, get your degree, get your master's, pay off the debt. <laughs> Get your home, get settled in your career, and then start, Get then get married and start your family. Wait a minute. What have you just done? What have, what cruel thing have we done to that young woman or that young man in telling them to wait all that time to do what really does come naturally, that, that love and attraction and bond and wanting to be together and starting a family and making a home under that covering of marriage, we just, uh wait, put it on hold, get Mm -hmm. the degree, pay off the debt, get the job, and then, what, at age 30, 35, Mm -hmm. consider marriage and family? Sure. It's a little backwards.
0: It it is. You know, I I look around, and uh, now, granted, I took a little bit longer uh, to, to, to follow through that plan. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably about 10 years behind my, uh, my classmates, my peers, uh, in, in terms of things, I, I finished the, the college degree and went into, uh, you know, went into a, a profession and continued my education with a, uh, graduate degree or a master's degree as well. And, uh, and then, then pursued marriage, and and now we have a child, and the and we're truly grateful for all that. But it's it's kind of funny looking back. All of my peers, you know, they have children who are eight, nine, ten years old. I have, uh, you know, almost two year old. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Well, it's like I said earlier, I, I had to learn on the spot, too. We mm-hmm. do. We learn through experience. I do remember a young pastor coming to me when I was finished speaking one day, and he said, Linda, I really disobeyed my parents. And I looked at him, and he said, well, I married early, and we started our family young. And he said it was because we could do this together that I was able to get through seminary and, mm-hmm. and to." To do the things I needed to do, but we were doing it together. She was my helpmate. Mm-hmm. She helped me do it, and I have not forgotten her role in this as well, her talents, her abilities, what she's contributed to all of this, the wisdom uh, that she's provided. So mm-hmm. I think we do need to rethink, what is God's plan? What is his design? And have we added to it? Have we been like Eve, who added to God's Word and inserted her own her own idea her own words have we done that with with god with marriage with this relationship between men and women
0: not not only inserting our own ideas but those ideas being focused on self and yes. uh what i want um you know we look at uh look at that the, the that fall in the garden and god gives them all this beautiful creation to enjoy What's the one thing they focus on? What's the one thing we humans focus on? That which God did not give us.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's what
1: we covet. It's what we want, and then we become God ourselves. I, you know, civilizations have always found great wisdom in teaching men self-control. Men can be maybe naturally aggressive, perhaps even sexually aggressive. We have taught them to be self-controlled. We've used to do that with with women we would teach them to be self-controlled with their emotions don't just do whatever you feel like doing don't put yourself first today we've let that go Oh, do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. woman uh, feel yourself find yourself let your emotions be known we need to practice self control and again that focus as, as you've just said God has given us so much He gave everything in the garden, and we want the one thing Mm. that he claims for himself.
0: God have mercy on us. Yes, and thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, he has. Uh, Two things that I want to mention. We we have just a few minutes left. Uh, I wanted to point out uh, two things. Uh, Titus two for life. Tell us uh, about Titus two for life.
1: Started it after years of being out among Lutherans in the congregations in our schools, talking with parents and and children and with pastors and families on life issues, and then listening, listening to what the young people were saying, what women and men were saying, hearing um, sadness in some cases, regret and grief, Um, hearing women who've had abortions, hearing um, women who, who realized only later, what mattered most, and so thought, what about mentoring? How do we mentor women and men to that design that God has called us to be, to find great joy in being a male or a female, whether we're married or single, whether we're young or old. And so Titus 2 came into being, and I just meet with groups of women and encourage them uh, using the model from Titus 2, where older men are mentoring the younger men. And older women mentor younger women. And it was a model St. Paul was inspired to give to young Titus in the midst of a very pagan and chaotic world. It was a model that has proven to be um, magnificent for generations. Hmm.
0: And it, and where can we find out more about Titus to for life?
1: Yeah. Um, the website um, titus the number two dash the number four life dot org. Um, also have a, a blog site mm-hmm. azerwoman dot wordpress dot com, and also a book website. Now
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah, tell us about your book.
1: The failure of sex education in the church, mistaken identity, compromised purity. That came into being after the years in Lutherans for Life and the Titus II experiences. Just hearing people confused about their identity and hearing people very comfortable and familiar with their sexual identity, but not with their God-given identity as male or female, as their holy identity in Jesus Christ. So it's a book that has a lot of questions with answers, resources, um Doing quite a few presentations on that right now, where I work together with pastors on a panel, and we discuss the created order, biblical manhood and womanhood, marriage, and family, and God's instruction for purity.
0: Hmm. And, and and I gather we can find that on the the Titus two uh, Titus number two dash f, number four life org Titus two dash four life org. We can find information about the book on there as well, correct? On
1: there or amazon.com
0: Very good. Well, Linda, I I know uh, we're running out of time here, but I certainly want to say thanks for uh, the conversation today. Linda Bartlett, former president of Lutherans for Life, author and founder of Titus 2 for Life, wife, mom, grandmother, great conversation today. Linda, thank you so much for being our guest on Faith and Family. Great to have a chance to talk with you.
1: Thank you so much, Andy. God's blessings on you.
0: Thank you. God bless you and all the work that you're doing. Uh, I certainly appreciate it. Hope we can have you back in the future. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word, right here on Listener Supported Worldwide, KFUO, the messenger of good news.